The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome back to Shaken and Stirred. I'm Nigel Barker in Woodstock, and I've just got my co-host out of the bath. He was running a little late. Tom, how are you, old boy? Nigel, I'm very well. Sorry about that. Yeah, we nearly missed it completely. Um, I believe that certain people in the production element of our podcast wanted me to do the podcast from the bath, which would, I might do next time, actually. If I, now I know I can. In well, fact, if, can... if you fill the bath full of rum or gin, you could potentially just sit there <laughs> in the bath with a straw and you'd be happy. There we go. There we go. But as a result, I, I've already road tested my cocktail of the podcast, but the next one is currently being made and will be with me shortly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, the fact that you're sort of suggesting that you, you don't always road test your cocktails and that they're actually ever a, a one-off is complete. No, yeah, I've always way. road test them. I have to two or three. I have to try two or three. Apart from the martinis, I can only road test one vodka martini before. Otherwise, I wouldn't make any sense at all. But I normally road test the Anyway, as you know, I've got my timings out today. And I've luckily just made the podcast. But hey, I know you don't have your drink with you. When it arrives, we'll talk about your drink. I, on the other hand, what well, you've got yours have a rather spectacular looking drink. I'm oh. rather excited by this. It is called the Abracadabra. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm rather, yeah. rather excited about my Abracadabra. It's actually mandarin juice. Now, Sorry. I might have cheated. Sorry. I, do you know, I'm going to interrupt oh, here. My drink has arrived. And Your yours drink is... has just arrived, and it looks almost better than mine. Well, if yours is an abracadabra, mine's a one, two, three. There you go. One, anyway. two, three. And you're pulling, <laughs> pulling cocktails out of hats. I love it. We're giving a little bit, of, bit away about who our guest is going to be today. But an abra, mine, an abracadabra, is made with white rum, mandarin juice, fresh lime juice, a little simple syrup. And that's pretty much it. For some reason, abracadabra, hey presto, that's your cocktail. It's pretty easy, other than the fact that finding mandarin juice is almost impossible. What is yours? Mine, believe it or not, it doesn't look the right colour to be. Well, you can't, you're listening on a podcast, don't see it anyway, but mine's a whiskey sour with grenadine. And dare I say it, instead of orange juice, I've used my homemade apple juice again, which I tell you, my apple juice is very versatile. It goes, it's the most delicious thing. I, I can tell you, it's one of the best cocktails I've ever had. Don't ask me what's in it, because I, I had it made for me. Well, you just listed a whole bunch of ingredients. Anyway, whatever. Booze news, people. Let's move swiftly on to a little bit of booze news. Because we have an, our guest is literally waiting for us as we go. But a little bit of interesting booze news. And, you know, in, in the liquor world, in the alcohol world, we have these sort of competitions. And I've been to one or two of them myself. And, you know, where we have international whiskey competitions. And there's the... I think there's the Las Vegas International Whiskey Competition, there's the New York Wine Competition, and all kinds of spirit competitions all over the world, for sure. But, you know, throughout the US, throughout the year, and it's a great way to get your, you know, the whiskeys out there, get them rated, to get press around them and what have you. And now, there used to be, obviously, affairs which were very social. We would show up, you would, you know, you get your drinks, and you're meant to sort of spit them out as you go along. Most people don't, and so, as the evening goes, you know, goes on, you've had a few, you know, it's hard to really judge whether it's a good whiskey or not, to be honest, to be fair. However, you know, things have changed. We all know COVID is, has stopped us from meeting in person and doing these sorts of things. Certainly events like that, where you are laughing, you're shouting, you're hugging, they're very social, you're having a drink. 
those things aren't happening. However, these competitions have not ended. They have continued. And some may say that they have changed for the better. Look, I know we all miss the social aspect. However, these competitions are expensive and there is a lot of money that's being saved because we're obviously not hiring all the people we need to run an event. Two, we don't have to hire the venue and all the rest of it. But the most important part, which is for the actual uh, beverages, for the alcohols, for the spirits, these whiskies, you know what? There is something called palate fatigue, which is not something that Tom nor I really have ever experienced. And, uh, you know, we can pretty much drink and tell you accurately what something's like the entire time. But if you are a real judge judging and it's your 15th or 20th whiskey that night, it's a little tough to tell whether it's better than the, the one you just tried or the one 10 down and you know and your palate is getting muddled even if you're spitting it out and you're sniffing coffee or whatever it might be so a lot of these competitions are sending the whiskey or the wine or whatever the spirit might be and giving the judges a month to make that decision and then they're doing a live event and just discussing the results that month spreads it out and means that you get a far more accurate sense of whether you've got you're drinking the top best rated whiskey right now and all yeah, that. Yeah, but you don't get the comparison. How can you compare a drink that you drink tonight with something that you're going to do today that you're going to drink in two weeks? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely. Well, what, you know, some of these competitions, Tom, you can have up to a hundred whiskeys that that make it into the final, right? So. Tasting a hundred things in a night, and certainly even 20 things in a night, I would imagine, I mean, I don't know how they all do it, how all these judges do it, but, you know, I've been sent a few things recently to taste, but it's down to the fact that I'm like, okay, if you're going to taste 20, let's narrow it down to my top five and then taste those five again. I guess the point is you can do it a little slower. Look, I think the, the worst part is it's just not social, is it? Look, I think this is the most ridiculous thing I think you've ever said actually on this podcast, which is I don't know how these judges do it. You basically used to do the same thing on America's Next Top Model. I'm quite pleased that I was the first one to mention that today. Normally it's you, but anyway. And let's not say that you're tasting, essentially. You're not, you're judging uh, models, but it really Thank doesn't... Thank you for it, clarifying, Tom. I never did taste any of the contestants. Yes, 100%. You can get that out in the open right now. Doesn't it just boil down to personal preference in the end? Well, that's what judges are all about. That's why they have the saying, it's good to be the judge. Now, moving swiftly on, we have an extraordinary guest. And That's not answer. So drum roll, folks. You know, our guest this week has performed alongside some of music's biggest names, such as 50 Cent, Travis Scott, Future, and Lil Pump. He's even performed at exclusive events like Z100's Jingle Ball, which is an amazing, I've been there many times, love it. Marky Ramone's holiday concert, and privately for the likes of John Travolta, no less, Neil Patrick Harris and his videos have millions upon millions of views. Here to talk mind-bending magic, please welcome world-renowned magician John Stessel. Oh, Nigel, thank you so much for having me, guys. That was so sweet. <laughs> I love it. Fantastic. We have not had a magician or really any kind of visual performer on Shaken and Stirred for kind of obvious reasons, but you are such an extraordinary character. I've met you, I've seen your tricks, I've seen what you do. They are mind blowing. Um, but before we get to any of that, what are you drinking in that copper cup oh, of you? Oh, so so right here, so it took me a while to pick what drink I was gonna have today. So right here I have a Moscow Mule. But the reason why I went Moscow Mule, so I was originally gonna do an old fashioned Manhattan, I was like, 
I want to keep it kind of, you know, classic. And I was like, but I have no stories with a Manhattan or old fashioned. However, a Moscow mule, I have a story that perfectly pertains to shaken and stirred, which is really embarrassing. Like, I don't know why I'm the one choosing to say this, but I was like, you know what? We'll do a Moscow mule and then I'll tip my horrible Moscow mule story that I have. <laughs> and how about you gentlemen? What are you guys drinking? Well, we are, I've got an abracadabra. Oh, perfect. And I've got a one, two, three. Nice. Well, gentlemen, cheers. Cheers to you. <laughs> cheers to you. And what is your Moscow meal story? You know, all I'll say right now is you're drinking to those of people who can't see, because obviously it's podcast, you're drinking your Moscow meal out of the right kind of cup. I went as traditional as I can. I had the copper mug ready. And this one has like the varnish that's coming off on the inside. So it's actually like a real copper mug, what you're supposed to technically drink it out of. I don't know much about cocktails, but at least on the Moscow Mule side, I know that's the traditional way it's served. I think it's just all magic. He's going to have something else in there. We can't see it, so he's going to be cheating already. This is an illusion, people. This one's only just a drink, but the story is really simple. So I have no bartending experience, but I love making drinks. I love drinking with friends. So I like to pretend I'm a bartender with zero bartending experience, right? Sounds like Tom. So <laughs> <laughs> oh man well anyway so Tom, i'm with my fiance and her cousin for her cousin's birthday and it's going to be a surprise party and before this i want to batch some cocktails so what i start doing is I'm like all right what does she like she likes moscow meals i'm like done i know the ingredients no problem so i'm in a place that i'm not used to and i don't have everything that's like around me typically so i'm just mixing it up i'm making like a nice little batch john john john, john just, i gotta stop you right in the middle of this okay you just said you know how to make a moscow mule and you know the ingredients you do realize that moscow mule is almost not a cocktail right because it's 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 basically just like i disagree honestly you're pretty much right it's basically not it's very sweet but Come anyway so long story short i i like take a a, a cocktail shaker which why I would do this. And I, I put all the ingredients in it and I shake it up. And at one point my hand slips and the top pops off. It makes a mess, a mess. And I'm like, oh God. And this is right when the birthday girl was there. The surprise was over. It was great. And I'm like, oh, let me clean this up. And then I was like, all right, guys, no problem. I'll make it. I'll make it again. And like, I've been looking at Liz the whole time. And she's like looking at me a little sideways and happy. And I'm like, okay. So I go to make it again in the cocktail shaker. I do it again. And the thing explodes again. Obviously, I forgot that it's pressure, right? It's carbonation. You don't shake carbonation. I wasn't thinking because I was so wrapped up in the surprise party. And the thing explodes again. And I'm like, I thought it was my hands. And then Liz walks up to me and goes, my birthday present was knowing it was going to go wrong again and watching it happen again. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, I was like, oh, my God. She's like, yeah, I let you fail. And it was amazing. It was so exciting to watch you make the mistake twice. We're going to clean this up and I'll make the tricks. So, guys, you know what? I, all I can tell you is John is a much better magician than he is a bartender. Um, 100%. Wow, is all I can say. Wow, wow, we. So, fiance, is, is she impressed by your magic? Oh, uh, Alexandra is, I would say... I think the most, the thing she's most impressed about is probably the way that I'm able to reinvent the things that I do. Because I mean, like there's, the Moscow Mule, like Moscow Mule, exactly. But no, I think the thing that gets her, because I've been, I've been with my fiance for oh my gosh, like over a decade now. We've been, to, we were like high school sweethearts. So the magic has wore off. I think the thing that she always finds impressive is when I'm like, all right, so I'm gonna retake these six ingredients and make them into something that play in a different way, and she's like 
what? How? And I'm like, you'll see when I do the show online. You'll, you'll understand the whole thing together. And then that, I think, usually gets her a little impressed. The magic is worn off. I, I, listen, I, that, that part of it, I'm like, that's almost sad to hear. I mean, I'm gonna, all I'm going to say is, is that I, I mean, Tom understands because he you know, he's, trades them in every few years. However, I, on the other hand, have you know, been with the same girl for so many years that you know, it's, the magic is, you know, I, I might as well be Houdini, in fact, or something. I, David Copperfield. Honestly, there's a real chance that you are Copperfield at that point. Like, you're just, you're keeping it locked. I love it. <laughs> what, what is go ahead tom i'll let you see yeah. no you know the thing is when you start talking about fiance and then you say the one thing my fiance loves about me the most is my ability to be able to basically reinvent everything every time i do it i mean suddenly i'm not even going to begin to tell you what's sprang to mind but i mean <laughs> i don't know about nice but i suddenly i suddenly felt myself feeling rather like an inferior specimen for no i'm only talking about the magic <laughs> No, 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 I know. But just the ability to be able to... No, 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 listen, I don't know what you thought I was talking about. Hang on a minute. I was talking about, like, you know, cooking breakfast, scrambling eggs, you know, like doing it in a different way or, you know. No, I know, I know. Um, but, well, you know, it's, it's one of these things, right, specifically with magic. It's a very, it's a very u- unique thing because it's like my whole thing is I tell you up front. It's like, hey, I'm going to lie to you, but I'm going to do it in a very fun and fulfilling way. And at the end of it, you're going to get this moment of surprise that you know isn't real, but if it's done correctly, it makes you just, even for a second, suspend what you believe is possible. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean you're going to lie to me and it's going to, what? Uh, what? Are you trying to tell me that this stuff's not true? I'm God, actually, I believe you. I've always believed in magic. I like alchemy. I mean, what are we talking about here? I mean, oh, I, I love it. Father Christmas isn't real, Nigel. I mean, I believe in you, though, Tom. I believe in you. It's okay. So, joking aside, you, so you were talking about this concept that you're going to lie to people up front, but obviously, it's it's sort of a you know the illusion aspect. But people, do they want to believe, or they do you find that they're looking for the lie? Well, I think there is. It's definitely a fifty-fifty, depending on the time. I think a lot of people love to like get lost in it. And there's also a lot of people that are like, no, I don't like being fooled. I don't want to feel dumb, which is how I never want anybody to feel. But the idea of not knowing how something works bothers people. So some people can be a lot more reserved. So then you really got to like break that guard down and be like, no, like, trust me, this is going to amaze you and give you like a feeling of wonder, something that you can remember in the future. It's kind of like seeing CGI in a movie, right? Like you go and watch a superhero movie. You're perfectly content being like, okay, I know some dude wrote like a code on a green screen to make him fly. And I don't want to remember that. I just want to think that Superman flew. And that's kind of what I try to do in my real life. I, actually, it's funny you used to say that. I, I hate it when I see behind the scenes of, of like the X-Men. I mean, it's, they're so depressing when you watch any of those, sort of any of them, even Lord of the Rings. It's sort of literally massive green screens. Actors aren't even there. They're looking at sort of spots. There's sort of people in outfits with certain kind of little balls all over their clothes so that they can film it and then you know, animate them after the fact. It's like, what is going on? That is, that's ruined my entire experience of the movie now, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that that really has a play with magic specifically because a lot of the time the secrets are less exciting than the trick. You know, actually, we've went this far. I can give you an example of that if you guys would like to see something. Oh, yes. Love it. Of the secret being worse than the trick. Here, this will be an example. So I'm going to show you the trick. So because I'm going to teach you guys this magic trick, okay? So right here, for anybody listening, I have a red cloth. What I'm going to do with this little red cloth is I'm going to tuck it into my fist. 
And that's exactly what the two gentlemen are seeing right now. Nigel and Tom, I'm tucking it into my face. Now, here's the best part. Now, the thing that no one ever expects coming is after I've tucked it in, when I snap, I change that silk into an egg. See, that we didn't see coming, especially if we know the typical trick, because now the silk actually has reappeared in my pocket. Now, that is a pretty decent trick, right? Because you don't see the egg coming. You don't expect (laughs) when the silk goes into the fist that it transforms into an egg. That doesn't make sense. But now, for everybody listening and for both of you watching, I'm going to ruin how this trick works. Because I'm going to give you that CGI feeling, that moment that ruins it, okay? It's really quite clear. Nope, you got Tom, you got to be with me for this because it's sad. So I'll put this back in my pocket. And here's the secret. Everybody, the egg that I had made appear, it wasn't real because the back of it was hollow. And what that was, was a pocket that I was able to stuff a silk into. So this is what's really interesting because I come out with this fake egg hidden in my hand and it's hollow. So I can stick a red silk into that egg and I make the guys believe that it's only going in my fist when in reality, it's going inside of a fake egg. So when I turn and open my hand and show them it's an egg and not a silk, they believe it's an egg because they're through a screen. They can't check the egg out. And then all I have to do is reach into my pocket and produce a second silk to make them believe that the trick is completed. And that's kind of, it's a bummer though, you know? No, it's, 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 it's funny though, because once you've done the trick, you know, when you, when you don't know what's about to happen, you don't know what's wrong with the original picture, right? So you, it's so actually when I when you brought your hand up in the first place, I actually thought, wow, his hand is really big. I just did. I just, but I didn't yeah. think why. I just thought, okay, he's because he's going to tuck something into it. But actually, it was because you were holding an egg, right? So a full size egg. in order to hold a full size egg, your palm has to be a set. But I had no idea about that. And by the time I was, I saw the trick, I had I had forgotten that my initial register had been his hand is too big disassociate because you're like okay his hand was big oh now i'm past that so oh now an egg appeared you don't even go back to the fact that the hand was big in the first place now here's the thing though what nobody got to see at the beginning of this was tom plugged his ears because he didn't want to know how the trick worked so i feel bad that i've revealed this for tom so tom what if i told you we could go back in time back in time so everybody that's watching this right now you would be able to see that the silk is still in there and i'm going to do something that's crazy which is remove the silk showing that there is no hole in the egg at all and then proving to everybody that the egg was a real egg and that is a magic trick thus making this drink undrinkable but i think it at least gives tom and nigel that fun feeling that they just lost I was hoping that you were going to magically make that drink back turn it back into a moscow mule or something Yeah, I think that's basically turned into something that I can no longer drink on camera, but I'm fine with that. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I ask you something? Because I had a feeling you'd have another trick up your sleeve, right? Oh, I, oh you've, you've nailed that, so go ahead, ask away. <laughs> so is it, is it a magician's code? You know, not reveal the magic. If, if you, as soon as you reveal something, as you said, it maybe it doesn't become magic, it becomes a logical sort of explanation. Therefore, the magic goes. Say, is it an unwritten or is it a written code? I would say that every magician, when you become a, I'll say even like an amateur magician, but you're like performing magic for people, you learn the value of keeping the secret because 
the real way the tricks work are boring. Like the fact that that egg, when it, when it appeared and both of you were like, what, where'd that egg come from? Then you're like, oh, it's a hollow egg that, oh, that's boring. He just had in his fist. So there's a, there's a whole code in magic where literally the first rule is never reveal your, your secrets. And the second rule is never do the same trick twice. Cause the second time you do a trick, people have the opportunity to figure it out. And the reason why those rules are there is so that we can keep that wonder because Tom, your face, when I told you, and I was like, but here, this is going to pop off. I, you'll be able to fly it back. Cause you were like, wait, what? And that's what we seek. We seek being able to bring those moments out of people and give you like that, that little childhood feeling where you're like, where you flip the lights on, you're like, how did that work? I don't know. Yeah. That was crazy. Like, that's what I want to give back to people. Well, it's certainly- was there a trick that you first saw back when you were a kid that was that moment, your tipping point of like, okay, I want to be a magician. Because I mean, I, I used to dress up as a magician. I used to have a little box that had a mirror in it and I'd pull out things out of it. But I, but I mean, you know, I, it was just, it ended there and it didn't go on, you know? I, Nigel, I'm such a dork that I have the first trick I ever performed with me to do for you guys on this show today. Uh, just great. in case that question had come. Because when I was a kid, I like, I'll never forget this. I saw this guy do a magic trick and it was on like, it was in some little, I don't know, it might've been like, like Kid Disney. And I was like, I'm going to do that for my mom. I remember saying that. So I mean it. I literally, it was a trick with a cup and water. So everybody can see this. This is the exact trick that happened. I even literally used the same white styrofoam cup that was in my cabinet. So I, I had my family come out. And this, for anyone listening, it's literally, I just have a bottle of water and a white cup. And what I did was I had my mom. I'm like, I need a volunteer. And my, uh, my mom raised her hand. It was my mom, my dad, and my sister. Great crowd great crowd and, and I was like I was like I need a volunteer and my mom was like sure so my mom comes up and I said mom this is what we're gonna do I'm gonna pour and I want everybody to see this we're gonna pour a decent amount of water into the cup I'd say it's about halfway full and I said mom what I want you to do is hold this over your head so this is what you did and I said mom what would be the most amazing magic trick I could do and my mom this is not a joke looked an eight-year-old in the eyes and said, if you could make this cup dematerialize from my hand right now, that would be the best thing I've ever witnessed in my entire life. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, mom. And she's like, I mean, if you could make the water vanish, honey. And I was like, thanks. So I was like, all right, mom, on the count of three, you're going to flip the water over and it's going to vanish. And she's like this, like the water's over her head. She's holding the cup over her head. And I'm like, all right, mom, three. And my dad's laughing because he thinks I'm going to du- just dunk my mom. And I go, three, two, one. And then the water had completely uh, disappeared. Yeah. And that was the thing that I saw that I said to myself, I'm like, that, that's like sorcery. So ever since then, that was like the first time when I was like, if I could learn to do that, just making water vanish from a cup, that's what happened. But being able to do that, that made me feel I'm like, oh, I could be a magician. You know what I mean? And then ever since then, I've been obsessed with it. And that's really all it was. Well, how does it go from that to sort of like, you know, you, you start to build, you start to build. But I mean, does it just get bigger and bigger? Is that an individual kind of thing? Or do, you, know, you see like a David Copperfield type of thing where he's making things like the Empire State Building or whatever it might be. There's no Actually. doubt that the biggest inspiration to me right now is like, David Copperfield, like circa 1970s. Like the dude was like a rock star. The things he was doing and the guy would, 
he would walk onto a stage in an arena and everybody would start clapping like he was like Bruce Springsteen. Like everybody, like it was like he was a Beatle. And I look at that and for me, it just inspires me because it's like, that is something that's possible with my profession that I think that most people kind of miss these days. And like, that's what inspires me the most, to be honest, Nigel. You know, being a magician, you just described that as being on stage and, you know, seeing David Copperfield being clapped on and you're thinking of all those rock bands. But I mean, magic is, it's an art form. It is, it's, I mean, do, would you agree that it's an, it, it is an art form? No question, it, it is 100% an art form. It's performance art mixed with illusions and it's a very unique thing because you mix like literally i try to write in jokes and jokes won't go well and then i'll take them out of my routines and then i'll write in new pieces of the illusions and then i'll write them out so it's like it's just yeah it's just a piece of art and the whole goal so a lot of it is is basically you know you get up there let's say you're you know you're touring with the rolling stones you're ronnie wood everyone sits and goes well you know he's just got getting up there and looks like he's having fun and strumming this guitar but I mean, you know, you've got to know what you're playing. You've got to know the chords. You've got to know what your, your timing, your practice. It's all about practice. It's hard. So it's, there's a hell of a lot of hard work to get to that stage that you can stand there. Apart from the fact that you need also, you need confidence. Because I tell you, I mean, when a trip goes wrong, and I, I imagine, have you had that experience? And is it the most crushing? the worst feeling ever. The first time I was on television, my routine went wrong. My first time on national television Ooh. and my routine goes wrong. I'm like 18. Like there's like a moment of like a screen grab and we, we, we fixed it. And the editing team was amazing and they made the whole thing look great. But there's like one moment when I watched myself on the sci-fi channel and I was like, like you could see the moment of despair where I was like, oh God. It's hard work. And a lot of the time it's, it's developing something that's out of nothing. Right. And it's like really trying to think through things that make people feel like for me, a lot of my magic is truly based in my life. And I mean, it depends on what I'm doing. If it's on the internet, I try to make things that people feel and connect with. But when I perform live, I really want, I want to use things that make people relate. Like, and that's why I really try to use stories from when I was like younger and throughout my career, because not only have they shaped me, but they're the most relatable. Like I, I imagine everyone can relate to like, being a kid and asking their mom to see something or like be, being a kid and being like, I'm going to learn a magic trick, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like I mentioned, I, we used to do the same thing as my, my, my sister used to be my assistant and she would yes. dress up in a, you know, a little leotard and a little ballet dress. And I would put on a sort of my favorite child pants and I had like a little waistcoat you know, and I had a top hat and the whole nine yards. And I, you know, you had, I had everything from the magic stick that if you pulled, it would collapse and then it would stick. Oh, you, had, you had some breakaway wand. You've had it all. Yeah, I love oh, it. Yeah, no, I've had all these things. Nigel's problem is he ended up, you know, his sister used to come in as the assistant. And what he, he used to then sit there and try to judge her outfit and was more interested <laughs> in the. <video. laughs> He'd be like, you know, those inseams could really be fixed. Exactly. Well, it didn't go well when I tried to saw her in half. And of course, I didn't have that trick perfectly sort of worked out. It was a big mess. <laughs> Spindrift brings family and friends together during the holiday season, spreading holiday cheer, shaken and stirred style. The best part is it's made with just sparkling water and real squeezed fruit. That's it. It's the perfect drink for the holidays because it's a healthy and delicious alternative to soda with no added sweeteners. Let's be honest, 
you'll get all the sweeteners you need from all the holiday goodies. Spindrift Cranberry Raspberry is the perfect mixer for your cranberry ginger bourbon smash or to add some flair to a classic martini. So shake up your beverage selection this holiday season by going to drinkspindrift.com and use promo code SHAKEN25 for 25% off. That's code S-H-A-K-E-N-2-5 at checkout for 25% off. Cheers. One of those funny things that I've been doing this year, and I think a lot of people have, with so much time on their hands have had fun with, and it's been a big social media thing, is performing that trick where you have your animals, and I've got a dog and I've got a cat, but my dog will sit and stare at me. And you, know, you pick up the blanket, you hold it oh, in front best. of yourself, you know, and then you drop the blanket and you, you run off in between. And the dog's like, where'd he go? And it's the, the dog gets completely freaked out. Oh, dogs are so receptive to magic. Cats, not so much because they hate humans anyway. So they're like <laughs> excited. Like, like I've done magic for cats and they're like, I just want you to die. Like that's how cats feel. Dog, said- you, you make a treat vanish for a dog, that dog is bewildered. They're like, but wait. The food was here, food's gone, now I'm lost. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> Are there favorite tricks for animals that you, because you've worked oh. a lot with animals. You've done a lot of work to help animals and I know that you've done some extraordinary work. It, who was it with again? Was it with the Humane Society or the ASPCA or? No, so uh, uh, so specifically what we did was, I actually partnered with TBS, uh, the television network right. and, uh, and a really creative director, this guy, Rob Bliss. If Rob Bliss is listening to this, shout out Rob, because he's incredible. But what we did was we basically had this idea like we're trying to build something or trying to make something very feel good and holiday related. And we're just talking and we're like, you know, it would be really crazy. Like, what if we could help have some dogs find a home for the holiday, right? Have some dogs find a home for the holidays. And how would that look as a magic trick? Like, would we make them disappear and then appear in a home that already adopted them? And then we, we asked the question, we're like, what if we just went into a shelter and we, we started brainstorming and we basically, we came up with the solution where it's like, what if we went into a shelter and showed dogs some magic tricks? Because I, I've, I, I said, I'm like, I'm like, I've performed magic for dogs my whole life and they lose it. And it's like, if we film dogs reacting to magic, what if maybe they could get adopted from this video to show off their personalities in a right. way that you wouldn't see in a shelter. And the video was probably like we knew it was going to be to do well but it was the craziest thing i'd ever worked on at the time because it literally nigel tom it was rising then like within 24 hours it had a million views and it rose to number one on youtube's trending charts and then we get a call from the shelter we're like 80 percent of the dogs are gone from that video next week they're like all the dogs are gone yeah like magic all the dogs are gone and they're like yeah we literally we cannot like it was their best turnout from the shelter in the history of the shelter. And it was like, it was humbling because I'm like, I literally had people like people magazine and the Huffington post was writing stories about this video and, and our concepts for helping adoption. And here I'm like, Oh, we just, we just wanted to help a few dogs. We didn't think that this would be a part of a much bigger picture. And it just, it really showed me the power that magic has because it's, that's an amazing story. Has has it? It's absolutely brilliant. And I personally, I've never had anything like it. I mean, it's completely original. And it is, as you said, you keep having. Okay, as a magician, you, you never do the same trick twice. You're always reinventing yourself. You're reinventing the magic, as it were. So, is this something that if I suddenly 
you know, jump to Nigel in his wizard robe with his sister as this thing. Is this something, though, that, that might catch on, like literally for selling products? And when I say selling products, I mean all the other dog shelters, right, and, and cat shelters in the world. Is there a kind of booklet that people can literally, you know, film their own little magic tricks? You know, can everyone do well, it? Honestly, that's an interesting one because I've never thought to the angle of could we get shelters to use use magic off themselves to like show off their personalities. But on the side of teaching magic specifically, ironically, Tom, you kind of touched on my original start in magic, which was when I was like younger, my parents wouldn't get me any magic kits. It's probably because I pulled that stunt on my mom. So what I what I would do is I started inventing magic. And as I've gotten as I got older, when I was around 15, 16, I started inventing products for the magic industry. So there is this like underground bespoke magic uh, community that has a marketplace where you can learn and buy and sell tricks. But that specifically is more secretive because that's like t- tricks of the trade. But I've never thought yeah. of that approach of it being like, here's a kit so that you can maybe do what we did in the video on your own. It's a good idea. I mean, a commercial kit for the good of, you know, for the good of a charitable cause like the ASPCA, whatever you've got in America. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you think about it, if you those tricks that you see what people do on on Instagram with their dog with dropping with the blanket. I mean, if we were to sort of say, if everyone were to go out there and do tricks with at various shelters, just to, to your point, highlight the personalities of these dogs, because otherwise you see them behind bars. A lot of them are pit bulls. They look kind of terrifying. I'm curious, did any of the dogs react aggressively to the tricks do they any of them could have give you a bite and be like hey okay, so there was so it was crazy because i i had never been to a shelter in my life before this video project and specifically we went to a no kill shelter so we went to a shelter with dogs with three legs and one eye and like all these beautiful dogs but they have risk levels the only dogs i was allowed to see nigel were no risk or very low risk and on the softer side of intermediary, I think it's a, a four scale. I was allowed to hang out with one and two. Uh, by the way, I like the fact that you described them as three-legged and one-eyed and then said all beautiful dogs. Oh, which, you know, oh my, hey, my God. One of my, one of my favorite dogs was this three-legged pit bull that was the most lovable. And also, I, the, fu- the crazy part about this whole thing is I am highly allergic to dogs. Highly allergic to dogs and cats. <laughs> so uh, if it was up to me, I probably would have taken them all home and I would have been swollen like a balloon. But... This one three-legged dog was like the most kind, soft dog ever and like just wanted hugs. But uh, to answer the whole thing, it was, yeah, so I did, I did these tricks with them and I've got, I've got my, train, my, my train of thought lost because I'm thinking about the dogs from the experience. But basically, Nigel, when I was there, like, it was really hard to believe that what I was doing. And when I had them bring out these dogs, I was doing the tricks. It was so much fun. And then they told me, they're like, all right, now we're bringing the next stage of dogs who are going to be a little more on the risky factor, the trainer's there, but they're like, if at any point we say anything, don't move. And I was like, okay, I won't move. So I do my thing. I make my treat disappear. And the dog, and we have, I think there's a clip of this somewhere. I should ask Rob. The dog looks around and then realizes that I'm a witch. And then turns, <laughs> growls, and is like, and like I'm like oh god and they're like and the woman like immediately gave like her like little like dog noise and the dog was like and like but that dog I I scared him because he did not know what what happened he believed that like what I did was purely out of this world and he was like I must I must attack him because that's not normal so that was the only one but every other dog was perfect and I wasn't even and once again 
you can't blame him for that because he didn't know. I, I made a tree disappear. I'd be mad at me. <laughs> but, well, but it's a sort of form of sorcery. I mean, when you say witch, you know, it's a form of what you're doing. You're basically a sorcerer. I mean, that that's, you know, what is the difference between a magician and a sorcerer? I mean, you know. Yeah, it's, it's really, there's really not what, much. <laughs> not much. Okay, great. I'm glad you, I'm glad we cleared that up. What's yeah, we're, we're, I mean, especially if magic's done well. If magic's done well, it, once again, it's like art. Certain pieces of art should make you feel a little uncomfortable, should make you be like, I don't know why I don't, I like feel like a little like off from this. And that's how you know it hits somebody. It, it invoked an emotion. So sometimes if magic's so one of my favorite style of reactions is when I do a trick and I watch somebody contemplate and then go, I don't know how it works. And then just be like, yeah, I, I'm not, I really, I'm good. I, I, we can stop for a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, you're like messed up right now. That like hits so deep. It went back into the brain. And now you're like, oh God. I don't, there's no explanation. So I'm angry with you. <laughs> They're feeling nauseated. They're like, I, I don't know what happened. I, I, something's wrong with me. I'm, I'm malfunctioning. Yeah. Yeah. Effect, effectively, all you've just said is that it, it, you've just let on. There is a huge side of you that just really loves fucking with people. <laughs> a little side of me. <laughs> Not huge. But we'll like say like, there's like a oh, he's made a living out of it. 5%. No, I know. No, I know. But I just, what I wanted to bring it into layman's terms as, as in, you know, as, as a, like a sort of, you know, and then step back and just go, but it's so non-aggressive. It's such a non-aggressive way of doing it. It's absolutely, it's, it's brilliant. No, it's either you can either call a magician or asshole. I mean, it's sort of like, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 magicians. The whole thing is magicians. No one's, I've never heard a derogatory comment about a magician ever, by the way, that's just coming that straight makes one of us. Huh? No, well, no, but I mean, you know, generally, uh, gen generally. <laughs> I'm only teasing. It was too easy. Other than at Hogwarts. Yeah. No, but I mean, you don't, because the point is people are enthralled by magic, aren't they? I mean, if people thought magicians were just, you know, sort of a of touch, they wouldn't watch you in the first place. As enthralled as uh, Nigel and I were by, by your egg trick at the beginning, you know, that's still, you know, you did reveal a trick of the trade, and then you took it back by, by doing, you know, enthralling us again. And, we're still, and I still can't work out I don't necessarily think you're a total asshole because, you know, you might have actually get more egg if you're fucking well, out. I'm glad. But no, I mean, that's, that's the whole fun of it. I mean, a lot of the time, if you do magic correctly, you'll give people this feeling that, like, it's whether it's an easy or it's inspired or whether you satisfy their need of, like, I thought something was going to happen and then it took a crazy turn. That, that feeling is so good. It's it, a lot of the time it's, it's like a roller coaster and you're, I, and then the cool thing about being a magician is that you're able to construct these moments. And for me, that's the artistry of it. Like, you know what? Like, here's an example. I'll never forget this. Uh, going back to the idea of that cup trick when I performed for my, my mom as a kid and I, I poured that water, I had her dump it over her head and then the water vanished and everybody exploded. And I, I was so proud but I'll never forget that my mom had said to me, she was like, in the first moment when I was like, what would be the most amazing thing? My mom said something I couldn't do. She's like, if you could make this cup dematerialize, that'd be the best magic trick I ever saw. And I remember being disappointed. I'm like, it's not going to be that good. So, you know, I, I like to think in those directions. You know what? 
I actually think th this this thing right now, I'm just going to do this for my mom. Watch the cup. It's going to dematerialize. So right now the viewers can't see this, but the cup that's been here the entire time is now dematerializing <laughs> right before your eyes because what? I yeah. wanted to do the thing that my mom never got to see because that's a lot. Uh. A lot. That's like 500 feet of ribbon. Um, that took so much time to put together for you gentlemen. I hope you respect how long it took me to roll this. And this is my new look. How do I, on a scale I, I gotta say that it's not, not COVID friendly considering there's a lack of toilet paper. However, <laughs> that is perfect amount of toilet paper for a very large rat. Yeah, this um, is like mouse toilet paper. Should have. <laughs> that is a lot. And honestly, you guys don't even want to know how long it's going to take me to put that back together. For the benefit of the podcast listeners, the cup just, vanished in front of Nigel and my eyes. Me from England, Jordan. Nigel from upstate New York, and oh, LA. It's unbelievable. Okay. That was very, 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 yeah, it was extraordinary. Look, do you Nigel, ever- Nigel, sorry, Nigel, your turn. <laughs> oh yes, I'll do, my, I'll do my trick next. Look, here I am. <laughs> Did that work for you, Tom? Magic. Just like magic. I'm curious, Look, do you ever- you know, you know, Sorry, I'm going to again. I'm going to again, because hang on. Very is. Oh, look at that. Is that David Copperfield or is that Nigel? I can't tell. <laughs> David Copperfield asked the same question. This isn't very good for a podcast, is it? Oh, man, it's not, but it <laughs> in is. In England like, as well. It's amazing. Well, yeah, any, fine. Any, this, that photo is just gold. It's so good. <laughs> it's it's uh, if everyone out there listening, this is Tom once again showing my my rather amazing, gorgeous headshot from years ago that he has signed and uh, carries with him at all times. By the way, um, you know it should actually be a placeholder for when Tom, you know, is not saying anything and he's quietly there. We might just pop it up instead. You better um, watch that, Nigel. He might make that his Zoom background photo so that every time you come on, you're going to see yourself. <laughs> Trust me, his girlfriend has it for her Zoom background, so that's all I need to know. Oh, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> oh, he's always got to come back. John, oh. I want to know, do you pull out tricks for strangers and for just random people? Are you oh. in an elevator and you look at someone and you're like, I'm going to mess with them right now, or you're on an airplane and you're like, let me make the ketchup disappear or something. I don't so know. I think I will say it's less on the mess with side and it's really just, it's really on the side of I'm just obsessed with it. Like, I think that magic has this, this way of really bringing out the best in people and giving people something that they don't see anymore, which you have cell phones. Like we can see anything in a second. So like, I just love being able to show anybody and everybody my magic. And like, I've even, uh, you might've even seen some of the videos, Nigel and Tom, you may have as well. Like uh, one of the things pre COVID, what I would always do is I do. And like my friend gave me the idea to film it, which I never thought about uh, until that moment, which was, I always just go out and film. I just go and do magic for people. Like if I'm at the grocery store. I'm doing magic tricks for the people when I'm checking out. If I'm at, I like recently was at home Depot during the quarantine and they're, and like, I'm on my way out. They're like, what do you need this wood for? And I'm like making jokes with the people because I'm like, I'm like, yeah, they sent the wrong guy in here for this. Like, I don't even know what like a hammer looks like right now. They're laughing. And then at one point they're like, okay, enough of your jokes. Like, what is this for? And I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm working on a new magic trick. And they're like, what do you mean magic trick? I'm like, I never thought you'd ask. And I like take out something and I do a socially distant magic trick for people in a Home Depot. And anyway, long story short, it's just, it's my favorite thing. And it's, 
It's my way of connecting with the world. And I just, any chance I get, whether I'm in a grocery store or whether I'm just with friends, family, anywhere, if I can show somebody magic, I always try it. I love, I love the fact that you said it's your, you know, it, it's, brings out the best in everybody. It, I mean, I know what you mean, except for the fact when I was, for example, in Rome and someone pulled a magic trick with me and took my wallet from my pocket without me realizing. So I, I just, there, there is that sleight of hand, which can also go awry. There is the dark side of magic, isn't there? Yeah. And though, and the worst part, specifically on the pickpocket side, is especially if they are magicians, you're really beat because they get really creative with it. Like a, uh, if somebody picked your pocket and just took your wallet, that person's a bad pickpocket. The best pickpockets work in teams of three. They have one person to distract you, second person to pick your pocket, and the third person is to leave. So what I would do is I would take it and then throw it to somebody, and then they are disconnected from us two. So now your wallet's like 10 miles away before you even be like, who are these two shady characters? So if they're real legit, which is terrible, like, but real pickpockets work in like teams. It's kind of crazy. So it's, that is interesting, though, because it, it is, a, it, like you said, it is, there is this method to it. And as a magician, can you, do you, are you able to break other people's codes when you see other magicians do stuff, that you, a trick that you haven't seen? Are you looking at it and you're, you, uh, is it very hard to trick a magician? I wouldn't say it's very hard to trick a magician. I would say, depending on the magician, some magicians' brains are like, like it, it would be like trying to trick like a puzzle designer where it's like they spend their whole time being like, how could I make a new, a new puzzle or a new like, obstacle? For me, I create magic tricks. So I start from the inverse. I'm like, if I want to make a cup dematerialize, how do I do that? I start backwards. So when I, somebody shows me a magic trick, I'm like, okay, where's the ending of this? All right, six steps. Okay, that's where it's going. So now let me watch everything. So it is, depending on who it is, it can be tougher for certain people to be fooled, to answer your question. Do tricks... Or, and, and, you know, magic tricks, do they ever go wrong? What's your sort of the percentage of, of possibility for them to go wrong? And so how, much, how do you play that? Depending on the style of tricks, you're, so one, the, the short answer is yes, magic tricks can go wrong. They often do. However, for a magician to be a good magician and to get very good at their craft, the one beautiful thing about a magic trick is that you don't know the ending. It's like a movie. So if the ending is incredible or if the ending was like, oh, that was okay, those are still the same thing to the person watching it because uh -huh. you don't know what the ending is supposed to be. So what I've worked on in my career is picking moments where it's like if something goes wrong, my outs, my like versions where I can, my, my multiple endings of the movie, I make sure that those multiple endings are just as good as my other material so when I'm trying something new out, if it fails, you still saw a great ending to the movie. And you're like, that was amazing. That's, that's so kind of my approach. To that's it. a very smart, that's actually almost like a, like a life hack. <laughs> actually, you know, it's like, what do I do when things go wrong? Have other options, other things to fall to, so that you're going to be like, well, you know, this cocktail didn't turn out great, but try this one. And the person's like, oh, that's actually delicious. And they're quite happy with what they just got. That's yeah, and, and just with, with anything, I think it's so interesting that if you once you have your decision on what you think is the best route, it's like now just plan like three halfway decent routes that are behind it. So if it doesn't work, you're like, oh, that's no problem because here, here's my second cocktail that I know you'll love. Or if we add a little lime and ginger now, I just wanted to make sure that flavor profile was on your on your point. Now this will be what you wanted to drink. And they're like, oh, thank you.
that that goes back to something we've discussed before on this podcast. I once asked a psychologist whether it was ever okay to have expectations because so often I'd found that they kind of led to disappointment. And this, and this friend of mine, he's, he's become a friend actually, and he turned around to me and he said, expectations are a necessary part of life and they're absolutely okay. The only thing about them is they have to be realistic. And I think what you just described there is, is exactly that. So, so you've got three, you know, you've got three results. I mean, your expectations are if one, if one result doesn't work in the thing, then you've got something, you know, somewhere along the lines, you, you say you're, you're, you're bolstering, you know, the, the, the end result. Yeah. But as Nice said, it's a life hack if you could apply that. To, to, oh, to, come, come, I think that any of the audience listening to this, the idea of having multiple endings for your objective objectives, whether it be in emails or in magic tricks or in cocktails, the idea of multiple endings will get you. Okay. It's like a life hack. But if any magicians are listening to this, they're going to be like, so that's how he doesn't mess up tricks. <laughs> they're going to be like, I've watched somebody rip the cards out of his hands, throw them on the table, shuffle them with their feet, and then hand it back to him. So he had three endings? I basically just gave away one of my big secrets. <laughs> oh, we can worth edit that it, out. Though. Very well worth it. I mean, I think it's brilliant. First of all, do you have, what's your most? Do you have a most difficult trick, or is it always your next trick? I mean, what? How does that work? Oh, so most difficult, I think, is really subjective, depending on the environment. I have some very difficult tricks that are like physically demanding. I have some very difficult tricks that are mentally demanding, and then I have some tricks that are like dexterity demanding. That like are just like, for example, this isn't a trick. This is just me shuffling. But like a trick like this, where I, for anybody listening, I'm gonna just do a crazy card shuffle, but where the cards waterfall cascade into each other, and then the cards fan themselves into a beautiful spiral. That is extremely difficult from a technical perspective. So like, it's all relative depending on what magic you're trying to accomplish. Right. Is it, so it, some of those shuffles are very difficult, but then I have tricks that like, I have tricks that I do that scare me, that I'm like, why am I doing this? If this goes wrong, it's over. But can I take you back to what you said before, which is, which is, you know, you never, the point is, one of the main things about magic and what you do is you never repeat the same trick. Well, I mean, once or twice, but you can never consistently repeat the same trick. And to do something like you just did, finding the cards, I know that's not necessarily a trick, it's a skill, but it requires a huge amount. I, and. I'm a musician. I'm tr learning tremolo at the moment. I spent two months learning a very, very basic finger technique on one string. And I can play classical guitar, but in order to play this particular type of thing, I just have to sit there with a sock under the strings on my own, literally doing this thing over and over and over and over and over again. It's practice. Practice makes perfect. And that's so why musicians make the best, or are probably one of the only genres that are very easy to convert into magicians. Because the only way you get good at music is by sitting there and banging on your craft. Yeah, but how do you, based on what you said before, that you can't repeat the same thing over and over again because otherwise, you know, you get busted or you get, you know, or it becomes boring or stale in your in your profession. How then do you, given the fact that in order to be successful and a, a master of your art, you need practice, generally in life, you need to practice, practice, practice. If you can't, do the same tricks over and over again, and they require a huge amount of practice. How, how does it work? How does so that work? It's, it's a combination, right? It's like prepare for the worst, but also pra like practice like everything's going to go well. For me, I sit down and I practice the hell out of it for nobody, right? I will do yeah. the same trick 
a hundred times in the mirror and then I'll film it and then I'll watch it back and I'll be like, God, I hate the way I look on camera. And then I'll be like, now I got to hear myself. And I'm like, oh, and then after doing that, um, like hundreds, thousands of times, then I go, all right, field test, go perform it for somebody. Then have my, uh, my alternate endings in case it goes wrong. Then at the end, it's like, were they amazed? Were they confused? Did it hit? Did it not hit? Then I recalibrate. And then the best, especially now in the social media, if I really want to nail it, if I'm like, all right, this needs to be something for a TV show, or if I'm going to be on Shaken and Stirred, and I got to make sure my magic's good, I'll have a friend film as I'm doing the test take so I can watch it back and be like, okay, that joke needed to last two more beats. That secret switch needed to do this. All the magic voodoo that I did where I did the spells and they didn't see it, that has to happen two seconds later. Anyway, so it's a combination of methods, but it's practice filming and just beating the crap so basically what you just said is anyone can play three strings on a guitar right anyone can play midnight special you can learn that if that's your first song but in order to play a very complicated classical piece or something you know there's the difference between uh, nige and his cloak and his stick being the you know pretending to be the wizard and being a professional musician there is a hell of a lot i mean apart from the skill there's obviously a skill set that you're that you're blessed, yeah. you're blessed with, but there's a hell of a lot of work involved. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I know. I mean, it's you being a musician, Tom, you get it. And Tom, you being a photographer, you get it. Somebody has an iPhone and can press shoot. You're not a like, OK, you could take a photo. But like, you don't understand composition. You don't get how to take a picture. It's it's thank it's, you. Thank you, John, for making me feel so much better. I, oh. Actually, the, the reason why I didn't become a rock star or, or you know, a, Copperfield run for his money is because I thought I'd just get into fashion photography instead. He did that in the last podcast, don't worry. We've already established that to be a fact, to be a successful photographer, there's an awful lot of work involved. It's not just having lots of lovely long-legged women hanging. Although, <laughs> having said that, I might say, by the way, during Nigel's career, he has not spent he has not wasted any time in every single time he's on a fashion shoot in, say, on a nice beach in Bali with a long-legged creature leaning over something sending me really shit photographs of his photo shoot. <laughs> but just, just so I just so I can sort of re relate, you know, take the, just... <laughs> well, no, that, that allows him to be normal. So he's like, I can still take the bad photos for my friends that yeah. were like, where are the good photos? It's like, yeah. no, I'm human right now. I'm not on the job. But, but no, seriously, like, that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss from professionals and amateurs. Not that there's anything wrong with being an amateur, but once you start really trying to like make a name for yourself. The difference is we have spent hours on, like I'll look at, just from a photography standpoint, amateur photographer, like I just got my first Sony and I love it, right? It's like, I'm learning lighting, learning the way that you compose a photo, learning how to make the, like the rule of thirds work for you. And then once you start throwing in different pieces of like different pieces within the photo and foreground and background, there's, my head's already spinning and I'm like, and it's like the way that you get better at it is by doing it for a thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand hours. I hate to I hate to tell you, actually, it's just magic. Of course, uh, <laughs> you know, only magic. It's just magic, purely. You know, and I, I, I tell people I am indeed a magician. Just watch. Uh, you will never look so good. I think you're making too much of a joke there, but I, I totally get what you're saying. I think, but that also goes into the art of it, where when you get something like. For me to learn how to play a piano or any type of string instrument, I would literally look like a child with Play-Doh. It would be bad. But for me to, to learn a magic trick, it just for some reason, that was my art. It clicks. 
and I know you guys understand that in your own ways. Yeah, no, it just struggles with, uh, it, even if it's not photography, he just struggles with people who are really like the best in their field. You know, he gets this sort of inkling because, you know, because the fashion industry obviously is beset with problems and there are always these, well, actually, although having said that, you're, you're incredibly young, but is there a sort of, like photography, I suppose, like something, you know, these up and coming magicians, you know, had, you know, he has these up and coming photographers trying to elbow him out and saying, hang on a minute, I'll do it cheaper, but I'm better and I've got a little bit more of a uh, Do you always feel people snapping at your heels? Or come, are you worried about like, shit, I have to keep up with, with the kind of, you know. The I mean, I really, I admire you so much, Tom, for even considering that, I mean, hey, I, I have a cool resume, but I still like to think that I'm on the come up and I'm fighting yeah. harder than anybody. So right now, do I feel like there are people on my heels? I mean, they're 50 steps back because I'm not going to stop running. I am so hungry, specifically right now more than ever. To it's be probably your fault my... that they're there anyway, by the way. <laughs> Maybe. That, well, that's the thing. Well, no, it's like any profession, you know, it's probably your fault. You know, you inspire people, you raise the bar, you get to a certain level, and then you just keep going, right? So your trajectory is up and you're hungry and you, you have to keep, and as you said, you can't keep repeating the same trick. So you, so it's a constant evolution. Yeah, um, and I it's just trying to make something. And for me, like I've been so fortunate and I've just, I've, I've made things that I'm really proud of. And I've got to work with people and do things with magic that I've never seen done before and use magic to help humanity. Like Nigel and I actually, Nigel, we met working with Make-A-Wish. And I've always felt like once I made that, that dog video from, I think it was two years ago now, my whole purpose kind of shifted. I was like, magic has a way of changing the world. And nobody's ever looked at it that way, at least under the way that I see it, in my opinion. And I'm like, I need to now use this gift that I have to make a difference in the world. And I'm not going to stop until I find ways to do that. And that's actually how Nigel and I met because I was doing a collaboration with Make-A-Wish. And then we ended up doing that gala, which was so incredible. So much fun. So amazing. And it's, you know, truly, as we talk about on Make-A-Wish, how granting a kid's wish gives them hope, gives them a chance to feel like there's so much something better in the world, that there's opportunity, that there is, you know, magic, really. It's sort of, and that's what people need. If people stop believing, then it's a very sad world. I mean, that's in many ways the only reason why anyone keeps Santa Claus, Father Christmas, you know, going. I mean, everyone knows it's not real, you know, and they, but they want to believe. And so that's, and that magic is what all it takes. It's the fact that you wish to believe. And, 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 you know, the, even though you know it's not real, it's still so much fun, even for the adults with their kids. And we all continue to do it. And we joke on the, on the side and we watch these movies about, Santa Claus and you know Father Christmas and whatever it might be and we're, we're like really we're watching this show but yeah because we want to believe and so that power is what you're giving them you're creating this magic yeah. that we know it's not real we know that you're doing something that's a sleight of hand or it's an illusion but that doesn't matter it's the beauty of what's possible and I think that is what you bring you bring that something that's so hard to achieve you've got to be great at what you do that you, you're, you're there but so for you, I wonder, where does one go then? I mean, you know, you have a Copperfield who makes sort of mega buildings disappear. What, what is your end game, end so, trick? So the, the John end game has always been kind of similar, specifically after that dog video. And the end game for me is to help as many people in the world as possible. Now, whether that is by inspiring people to, to, to live the best life they can, or whether it's helping make a wish, 
It's finding a way to use magic to help people. And actually, I can tease something just a little. I can only tease mm. it a little. But uh, I'm actually right now because right now we're in the crazy world of COVID. And you, I can't perform magic live like I used to be. So I went up, I sat down, I looked at all the magic that I've been performing for the past few years. And I'm like, how can I perform this in a digital environment? And Nigel, as we met uh, at Make-A-Wish, like we were talking about, I, uh, I actually have been speaking with them and we are in the process of putting together a collaboration where we're going to be doing an hour digital magic show where the or half the proceeds are going to be benefiting Make-A-Wish and we're going to be able to have Make-A-Wish kids that are not currently getting their wishes granted come and have some well-needed magic and entertainment through this show, uh, as well as like performing magic for people helping raise money for make a wish and Fantastic. i'm i'm really excited about it and i honestly i it's a little bit of an insider scoop but it's gonna be like an, a digital show kind of like what we're doing here but where you get to experience magic and it goes to a good cause where you getting to see it especially right now with fundraising being different you coming to this digital magic show you get to know that not only are the some of the proceeds helping make a wish but Make-A-Wish kids get to be a part of this show. And some of them are even going to get to be some of the stars. So I'm really excited about it. And it's going to be a really cool collaboration. Amazing. Do you know something? That's so amazing. And Nigel, I think you'll agree with me. <laughs> you know, you've been excited all the way through since you got since you came on the podcast. All I felt is this uh, is slightly contagious, which I guess helps being a magician. Because it is, it's like I've, I have felt, spent the last 45 minutes or what, however long it is talking to you feeling um, general sense of excitement. Can I ask you a question? This is completely off subject, but when, just out of interest, magic has been around for a long time. What is the earliest moment, the known moment that magic was documented? Is there a sort of seminal moment? So magic dates, ma magic dates all the way, and I think it even goes beyond, but magic is well BC. And magic, there's even documents, I believe, in ancient Egyptian pyramids of people performing the cups and balls and hieroglyphics. And I believe, and don't quote me on this because I don't have magic documents in front of me to fact check myself, but I believe there was even a crown specifically for Egyptian kings or pharaohs that were magicians who used magic. And also even going back further, there are apparently even, I believe, there's some, and once again, don't quote me on this because I'm not—I don't have facts in front of me. But I also believe that there are some, uh, what is it, like cave drawings of people performing magic tricks. So we know it dates back BC. We know it dates around uh, ancient Egypt, but it also may go even further. So, like the earliest documentation of magic, it's really hard to say right now, only because there's not enough information on it. But I know it goes back to like BC and ancient Egypt. It's always been it's been around from the beginning, basically. It's been around since the beginning, literally. Now you see a dinosaur, boom, meteorite. It's gone. Gone. <laughs> Wiped out completely. Wait, someone, come, someone comes out of a cave. Where did everyone go? Look, I will draw on the cave wall. It is magic. Yeah. Unbelievable handprint. Um, I love that. Look, before we let you go, John, we have a little thing on, on Jacob and Stead called Last Orders. Uh, oh, it's a little it. rapid fire moment. I think I'm sure you're ready for this, but I'd love to know. And it could be a question about what would help your magic in, in a way. What would you rather, a time machine or a teleporting machine? 
Oh, teleporting machine, no question, final answer. And, and why? Because I think that time is the most valuable thing in your life, and I would love to be able to get from places to and from like this. Like, I would love right now, it's like, I would have probably, in this podcast, been in both your places. And it would be magic tricks. Like, time travel's great, but I do have a fear that I would screw things up. It's a lot of responsibility. Just let me teleport from place to place. That is more than enough. There you go. I, I think I just have, I've just been pickpocketed, by the way. Um, <laughs> In the movie of your life, who would you like to have star as you? Oh, can I be Eminem in Eight Miles so myself? Does that count? Yeah. I think that yeah. has to count. No? Okay. Yeah, that, um, can count. that can work. I mean, whatever. Right, perfect. I'm final answer because like, I think it would be perfect. I'm, I'm going Eminem in Eight Mile. That's what I'm going. <laughs> I love it. You just picked somebody else's life altogether. Anyway, yeah. what's the one job you would not want to do or the one trick that you don't want to do? One trick I wouldn't want to do is the bullet catch, mainly because there's been so much danger around it. And I think that guns in and of themselves have this weird connotation and they're kind of scary. And I really like living. So I don't like the idea of a gun being pulled at my head in any way, shape or form, even if it's under my own controlled supervision. It just scares me. And then job I wouldn't like doing, if I was forced to just to sit and read like legal documents all day. If I had to just be a legal document reader, so whatever, like a legalist, I would rather die. Rather work die. in an office, so you wouldn't not want even, to work. No, office. I don't. I'm not going to knock office work because it's important. I know like a lot of people don't mind it, but specifically, like when I get a contract, I have to read, and I'm like, it's like four pages. It's not long, and I'm like, oh god, I'm gonna die. Like every word gets more painful. That's that. Hundred percent. Is that because you spend most of your professional life and passion trying to be make people think illogically that when you're presented with something totally logically, total logic, it's just an anathema. It's like the my lowest, my lowest courses in university were accounting courses because I did not understand black and white rigidness. I just don't. <laughs> when when it has to equal, I'm like that doesn't that doesn't make sense. Why would anything equal? It's like, no, come on, like a balance sheet? Nope, I'm lost, can't do it. <laughs> All right, here we go. What floats your boat and what gets your goat? Oh gosh, what floats my boat, playing cards, what gets my goat? This Moscow mule, if it wasn't filled with egg, alcohol, gets my goat. <laughs> I mean, I think you boys can guarantee that I forgot that I was doing the egg trick and only brought one cup for the trick. <sighs> no, I actually you was know. wondering why you were drinking out of it afterwards. Hey, you'll have to watch back. Final <laughs> question. Shaken or stirred? Shaken and stirred so the drink explodes and all of my friends laugh at me while I'm ser serving for everybody. That is hilarious. And, and there you go. There you have it, everyone. John Stessel. You've got to check him out on Instagram at John Stessel. Also, when can, where can people watch your live? Your Because your, oh, I see that they can connect with you on these Zoom magic sort of affairs that you have. So johnstessel.com, right? johnstessel.com has information about my digital show, but be on the lookout for an announcement on my socials about this collaboration coming out with Make-A-Wish where we're going to be doing digital magic shows to help raise money and to help give kids some well-needed entertainment while they're waiting for their wishes. Fantastic. And guys, you can check out him on Unshaken and Stirred. Download, subscribe. I think this is worth a magic five-star rating for sure. And we will be promoting and pushing all of 
what John's doing with Make-A-Wish and everything else. So follow along and, you know, we're really excited. This was fantastic. You were great. Thank you so much for shaking. Oh, come on. No, thank you guys for having me. Everybody subscribe. Give us five stars. Give this five stars. Subscribe. Listen every week. This has been so much fun. You guys can't miss this show. Shaking is third the best. And literally, I mean it seriously, Tom, Nigel. It means the world to me to having to being here. So thank you so much for it's letting great. Me it's been really good fun. And just like that, hey presto, we're done. Thank you very much for listening. That is Shaken Instead. We will be back next week with another podcast and another fantastic guest. And uh, stay safe. See ya.